Philo community, it's time for the Philo podcast. You know what else it's time for? Philo conferences tomorrow. Crazy. It's amazing how fast time seems to speed up the closer you get to an event, whether it's a conference or a service or Christmas. And for us this year, especially like you, I mean, our workflow and process is wacky and got crunched and our deadlines are in our face. But I'm really excited about what's going to happen and what God's going to do at the Follow Conference this year. And like previous years, I think it's going to be one to remember, not just because we're in COVID land, but because God does something in each of our hearts and minds. If you still haven't signed up, there's time to join us online. So go to philo.org, get all the details there. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, If this is your first time listening to our podcast and you have no idea what I'm talking about, welcome. Our goal for the podcast and for basically everything we do is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. Basically, the podcast is about the type of content we do at the Philo Conference, and then we just do it every three weeks on the podcast. I can tell you that our episode today is about pastoring your production team, which is true now more than it ever has been. I got the chance to sit down with Daniel Scotty from Saddleback Church. He is the pastor of their production team. And we had this conversation way back when COVID-19 was not even something we were talking about. But everything we talked about really applies to how we lead our teams during quarantine, after quarantine, just good stuff all the way around. So let's just jump in. Daniel, you and I, I don't know if I could pinpoint the moment when we met, but I'm guessing it was probably somewhere around Philo 2016 when John Cassetto came out and you came with him. Is that, or have we met before then? So I met you before that. Okay. It was, oh man, when was this? Um, It was at a global leadership summit. Okay. In Willow. I want to uh, say it was like maybe 2013. Okay. All right. I was with Alex Fuller. Okay. And we came like super last minute. I don't think we bought tickets. Just we slid were just in the like, back door. Just kind of showed up and was like, hey, we just want to <laughs> check things out and uh, just plopped in. I forget who we – I think John connected us with you. Okay. And then you're like, oh, sure. Like, yeah. Stay over not? there. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And kind of hung with Troy and a handful of the team there. And okay. I think you're neck deep in in producing the the conference and the summit. And so that's when I think I first got – to like meet you okay briefly yeah yeah and then slow and then more formally i think would be through the the philo sure yeah yeah those uh summit days yeah once the once the doors open it's like woo yeah it's, it's like uh hang on for dear life and i'm so i, I apologize for not remembering that but no i worries. also yeah i'm not surprised the thing i remember <laughs> the most about that conference was the they did the room harp oh year. sure yeah <laughs> so we were like, "Whoa!" Yeah, the Earth Harp is uh, the Earth the, Harp, the, the yeah. f- official name. Yeah, I've I've done that a few times since then. Okay. Yeah, the first time you do anything, you're kind of like, "What the heck is this thing?" <laughs> and well, how are we going to do this? Right. And then, yeah, now it's like, "Oh, sure, yeah, we we got it down." And I think actually, now that you mentioned that, I think Aaron Roos, who is one of your coworkers now, he yeah. was responsible for hooking that thing up. Really? That was his job. I think I remember him talking about that of like, okay, how do you mic this thing? Like, right. No, he's got a whole thing. It's like a couple DI boxes. I mean, there might dude. be a mic involved there too. But yeah, he's got a little mixer down there that he's doing some magic. And here's my stereo feed back to you. So Wow. So in That's case you're crazy. wondering, you listen to this, you're like, what the heck were they talking about? Just look it up, Earth Harp. Google it. <laughs> There you and, go. Uh, it. Yeah, it's. I think he's been on. You know, all those America's Got Talent and some of those things. And it's a really interesting thing. It's like one note. It's like it. Here's this thing, and it's <laughs> doing it, and that's it. You're then you're done. Yeah. So yeah. But so uh, we've kind of mentioned Saddleback in this conversation so far. Why don't you tell people what you do, and then maybe yeah. a little bit of how you ended up in this place? Man, yeah. So. I get to serve at Saddleback Church. I've been at Saddleback for 12 years. It'll be 13 wow. years in March. Did you start when you were 10? 
Yeah, basically. You seem pretty young. <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah, so my, my current role is I kind of get to look after and lead and pastor our production teams Okay. from a like central support role. And that goes from like resourcing and equipping and strategizing, I guess, where our teams are heading and uh-huh. also gets into some of the hiring process and um, onboarding. And then there's a handful of other things uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just pop in. Yeah. At a big church is sort of like, and now do this. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do quite a bit of uh, producing for our weekend services at okay. our Lake Forest campus, which is broadcasting. Sure. Okay. Our broadcast campus. And well, how long have you been doing this specific role at Saddleback? This role, I would say, I think I'm coming up on two years with this role. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll kind of get to your pre-story, uh, pre-Saddleback uh, story in here in a second. But I'm curious, yeah. like two years ago, did something happen that was like, we really need this role or was it just sort of an evolution of where the team was, who you are. And it seemed like the right time. I feel like Saddleback and how, how quickly we grew our regional and Uh multi-site. You know, when I started at Saddleback, I think we had one regional campus and now we have 18 other locations. Wow. And I feel like it was some of it was a little bit of reacting to, hey, we ha- we have all of these multi-sites and how are we able to support them? Right. You know. Okay. So I think Pastor Rick a few years back started asking teams to be thinking about what does it look like to have a support team? And it's gone through different words of like, okay, what's your global team? What's your central team? What's your support team? But the idea of what people within our current teams that can maybe take a step out of the day-to-day right. to begin to look after a broader expression of how our teams are operating. And that sure. goes for kids' ministries and high school and junior high, okay. and small right. groups. And so I think now we're in a season where a handful of the church staff has pretty clear lanes of like, okay, you're on the support team. Okay, you're on a campus team. Or Got whatever. it. Got it. Okay. I have so many questions. I'm going to write them down. But let's get back to, okay, you're now a pastor on a production team. It's crazy. Which is kind of how it should be, in my opinion. But also, like, a little bit mind-bending if you're a tech person. So have you always been a pastor? Or uh, did you start as a, you know, just a guy pushing buttons? You know, I feel like just there's, there's been so many people around me who I think have helped shape who I am. And I think, you know, we all know Van Metzke, Van carried, I would say a similar posture of how he loves on people. And I think, you know, there's, there's been a handful of mentors. I mean, Greg Baker and John Cassetto. Um, My dad is a pastor. Okay. And I feel like when, when I first stepped into full-time ministry Mm -hmm. and started learning, I can't be a one show kind of guy. Right. And I can't always do audio lighting and video. I have to like give those things away. Yeah. I kind of started to see a little bit more value in the people that are serving alongside me. Right. And it slowly started shifting from me wanting to be the save the day guy to how do I get my team to, to be that? And how do I get my team to uh, be the rock stars and how do I keep, and it's because people have done this for me of, when something awesome goes off, typically the leaders of the staff go to whoever's in charge and they'll say, Hey, Daniel, great job on the service. And I'm like, well, that was this student who was helping out with that. He's the Uh one who actually pulled it off. And like, how do we elevate those serving around us? And I feel like that in that process of kind of releasing some of the things that I truly love to do, like mixing Uh and mixing a great band, like letting that go is very difficult. Right. You know, because it's yeah. a it's a creative outlet for me. But I slowly started to in, enjoy and I guess um, find my success when someone's able to take something that I enjoy and to do it well and to do it better and to grow in it as well. You know. Yeah. So I think early on, you know, this would be ten years ago, starting to kind of like learn bits and pieces of that. Sure. That slowly kind of shaped me into I think how I lead and the things I care about right. when I lead. 
So let's go back before 12 years ago. So you're not on staff at, at Saddleback. What, I mean, how did you end up getting to a place where working yeah. at Saddleback made sense? Yeah. So junior high, I've always been pretty single track kind of person. Basically, I'm a failed drummer. Okay. Uh, our, our youth leader. Our youth Aren't leader they all the failed, time. you know, when yeah. you get down to it? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just a drummer <laughs> joke. I mean, there's got, we got to yeah. throw one of those in. Yeah, well, I always, it's so funny. I feel like most of the engineers who who mix pretty well are drummers or, yeah, I know a handful of engineers who are drummers. Yeah. So they're all just failed drummers. Yeah. So yeah, and I was playing in my youth band and the worship leader came up to me and was like, hey, why don't you stick to audio? Like, you're pretty good at that. <laughs> It's a nice way of saying like, you really suck at these like, drums. Oh, but I kind of want to drum. And he's like, no. Uh, he's like, you're going to take a break from drumming. He's like, you don't practice. And uh-huh. he was right. I was like, I, I don't. So he's like, you're you're naturally gifted in audio. He's like, stick with that. Learn about that. And just uh-huh. kind of keep going. And kind of throughout junior high and high school, I did some extra like technical theater programs and stuff like that. And actually... Um, one of my mentors, Eric Kibbe, who's who's still on staff at at Saddleback, is the one who kind of brought me into Saddleback because he was serving there at the time. Okay, a um, couple years in, opening their children's building, and I kind of was just tagging along, pushing play on a CD player for their kids ministry, uh-huh. and started there. And then I helped with some of the midweek campus events and through worship conferences, just kind of pushing gear around. Not a lot of hands-on, not a lot of mixing. And if I was mixing, it would be like the Hawaiian service. Right, okay. That's, you know, every week is five ukuleles and some <laughs> drums and 20 mics. And it was always pretty wild. Uh-huh. Before I started, which I would say mixing fun things like high school ministry or college ministry. Sure, right. Some people might think that uh, ukule- five ukuleles is, uh, is a good time. It is. It is. It's a good time to get to it, to like get to the start of the service yeah. because people are slowly walking in. It's like, oh, can we add this guy's showed up? Like, can we not? Wasn't really. It's organized. good to know that it happens in all kinds of services. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So before I was even on staff, it was probably about three years of children's ministry, pushing play on a CD player. Uh huh helping i think at the time it was media shout that was doing all their lyrics and okay right slides and transition to some like worship box program that's the worst thing ever yeah uh uh-huh but it was about three years of that and i'll be honest at the there were times where i got pretty frustrated in that okay oh well i know how to mix like i know i know how to you know do full band and program lights uh-huh. but I'm here doing these things. And I, I feel like over the years, I've, I've just learned the, I guess, diligence and mm-hmm. patience and to kind of like be faithful right. with what's handed to me yeah. and kind of in time, depending on how I carry that will determine, you know, what God's going to entrust me more with. You know? Sure. Right. Right. So it was about three years of that. And then was offered a part-time position and was, at Citrus College at the time, okay, kind of in process to go into a recording arts program and doing some technical theater stuff. And when I got offered part-time was kind of like, I would say, a, a pretty um, pinnacle point in okay. where God was calling me because dropping out of school didn't feel great and taking on a part-time job uh-huh. didn't seem wise e- either. Uh-huh. I was commuting about an hour. So like gas and all of that stuff. I was like this. And then if I buy my own lunch, it's like, I'm not making any money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like hell, I'm a, not even a college student, but I'm still a poor one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like figuring out like where God's leading me and calling me felt like ministry might be a thing. Never really thought that that was a potential thing uh-huh. and what it would grow into. It was about a year of being part-time at Saddleback, just as a campus tech. Saddleback has always had a handful of like midweek events from totally, yeah. Zumba to, you know, college ministry and so on. Right, right. 
I did that for about a year. And then what within like a year to the month went full time to oversee our student building okay. production and for like high school and junior high services and college ministry was in there. Right. Sweet room, by the way. Yeah. The refinery, it's, that's it's cool. awesome. CCI did that. And so that's where I, I basically was, I, I guess in my first like leadership type role uh-huh. and failed a lot, made a <laughs> lot of mistakes. Like I think I was 17 at the time, wow. maybe 18 and, you know, moving out for the first time, learning what an alarm clock is and having a <laughs> Having to like show up on time, like I struggled with a lot of things early on and those things have, I guess, shaped me in, in some, in some tough ways, (laughs) (laughs) but led our, our high school and junior high teams really closely for about five years. Okay. And within those five years, there's that transition between our former worship leader at the time, Rick Muchow, All right. uh-huh. served at Saddleback for you know 25 years. And then John Cassetto, yep. who came in. And during that transition, I was kind of feeling pretty stagnant of like in my growth and thinking, okay, what's next for me? Okay. Is it more ministry? Is it, you know, Disney's right down the road. There's right. AV companies, Universal, like, sure. how, like what avenue do I sense God calling me into newly married I thought I was leaving Saddleback, you know, back then and started helping program weekend service lighting and I'm colorblind. So, Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So I have to say I know a few lighting people who are colorblind, (laughs) so you're not alone. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So it was just like, you know, I, I knew, I think it was a hog three at the time. Uh So I knew I was pretty proficient on the hog. Okay. And was helping. So I'm getting a little bit more time with the new team that's being developed up there. And John approaches me and says, Hey, do you want to be, you know, the lighting director for Saddleback? And I was okay. like, Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I was like, I I don't like lights. Or I just like it's not like I could do it, but it's not, you know, it's not my favorite thing. And he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, Well, let's get through Easter. After Easter, we'll reconnect and see, you know, what's what's next uh-huh. for me to like kind of transition into a different role. Right, right. And kind of like through a lot of questions and seeking, I think is when I learned that what God has been shaping me into is like just to love on people yeah. and to care about the people behind the consoles and desks and to kind of release. I need to be the expert and I need to know how to do it and to be okay with being somewhat mediocre in it and also appreciating the skills I do have in it, but to do my best to kind of help the teams operating remain healthy and remain inspired and able to have creative outlets and, and that. And in, in that role, I feel like is when I, I first started being called into it. John really called me into Uh this of, of like pastoring people. Sure. And before I thought it was just like, okay, maybe it's just a leadership thing or a, how you interact with people. Right. I think we're all called to this. As, yeah, totally. As we're, you know, as we're Christ followers, I think we're all called to how we love people. Yeah. I think it comes, comes down to, you know, in Matthew where they ask Jesus, they say, teacher, like, what's the greatest, what's the greatest law? Right. Uh-huh. And Jesus tells him to love God with, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that's the first great commandment. Love God. Right. Yeah. And then the second one is like, is, is like it. Love your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I feel like that's really what it, what it comes down to of like, am I, if I'm in, in a role in ministry, what's, what's my connection to God? What's my connection to following Jesus? Uh-huh. And if I'm not doing that, I feel like things I, it could quickly just turn into a job. Right, right. And it just becomes a pile of lists and um, do this and all of that. But then if I'm, if I'm trusting God and I'm I'm seeking him in daily, and then when it comes to the team, like, well, those are my neighbors. Those are those are the people that I'm I'm honored to to serve alongside. And how do I honor and love them and care for them in that process? And then that begins to reach out to who are we even doing this for? 
right? right? Like who are, who are, who's the community that we're reaching who are lost and, you know, helping our teams focus on that first, that first command of sure. like, love God, you know, and it's not love equipment. It's not love plugins. <laughs> it's not love, you know, Hey, come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and of course we, we do like, we do really in, and highly value those things. They're, yeah, yeah. they're crucial tools to, to how we operate. But at the end of the day, I would much rather know that our, our team are Christ followers right. instead of just a great tech. A quick word about Amplio Systems. They've been a part of our Philo tribe almost from the very beginning. When we were at the Yellow Box in Naperville for our first two-day event, which was way back in 2016. One of the things I love about them is that they are a passionate team of experts partnering with churches of all sizes, all styles, and ministry approaches throughout the United States. If you've been to the Philo Conference in Chicago, you might remember them from the Amplio Lounge. Well, they're not only known for designing epic donut walls, their main focus is to design, build, and integrate audio, video, and lighting systems of all sizes, including systems for portable churches. And they care about more than just the nuts and bolts of a project. They really have a heart for every church they serve. If they were working on your project, they'd take time to sit down with you to understand who you are and the community you serve in order to build the right custom solution. Above everything else, they want your church to be its most effective to achieve your unique vision and mission. Since 2013, the team at Amplio have set foot in more than a thousand churches of all demographics giving them a unique front row seat to God at work across the country. So regardless of the size of your church or your project, we could not recommend their team more. Amplio Systems will serve you well. Visit ampliosystems.com to start a conversation today. I was just thinking about my own life and the transition from doing to leading and, Mm -hmm. and, and pastoring. If a lot of it came down to like, am I willing to let go of how I love it mm. when a great mix falls into place or, you know, when people yeah. come up to the booth and say, man, the lighting looked really great. And, you know, when yeah. you're, when you're a leader or a pastor, you don't get any of that stuff. Right. And I think if you're mixing audio, it's real easy to get yourself wrapped up in that I am only as good as the last great mix I did. Sure. Sure. Like what, what was that like for you to kind of let go of that? like the one behind the console making magic happen to letting somebody else yeah, maybe not make magic happen, but you know, it's like need to yeah. develop that person. Yeah. That was really difficult because I feel like that's where all my insecurities start to come out yep. of like, well, if I'm not doing a thing, then what am I actually good at? Right. What am right, I right. like? A weekend goes by and I didn't push any buttons, call any cues <laughs> and I didn't do anything. And I feel, you know, if I'm finding my value in the things I'm doing, then yeah, it feels like I failed or I'm not doing any, you know, I'm not contributing to it. But Greg one time told me I was leading our students and it was, I think it was one of the first weekends I had a high school team and a junior high team, like fully, fully covered in both Uh rooms and they're doing great. And I was just walking around. I'm like, what do I like? What do I do? Like, <laughs> everything's going and happening. Yeah. And Greg was like, well, that's because you're doing your job. Like, that's it. Like, th- this is what you should be doing. You right, know, right. he's like, you should celebrate this. Like, you've you've been able to like help grow these teams into these places. And you know, so I think that was uh, being like, okay, there. I I start to understand a little bit more of like the value of what I'm contributing towards. Right. Right. But still the, a completing a task and settling a mix or programming a great lighting, you know, for, for a service and stuff like those things are self gratifying Yeah, of like, I've like in the moment, I feel great that I've, I've been able to accomplish this. Yeah. And I think in, in my role, those things come out years later now. Right, and right. I think it's it's really more fixing my eyes on where are we going, and really finding, I guess, finding my success in those things of yeah. like, and it it typically just takes me having to look back at where we have come from, right. you know, of what are the things that have shifted in the culture within our production team, 
that I could step back and say, okay, we're, we're taking steps, you know? I think it's hard to anything you're doing and trying to improve on. It's if you're not stopping and looking back every once in a while, it's hard to, to see the progress because, Mm -hmm. you know, the difference between yesterday and today is not radically different, but to see that, okay, look at all the problems we were dealing with a year ago Mm-hmm. And we've solved a bunch of them. Yeah, I think it's such a useful practice to yeah, just remember. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, when I first stepped into my current role, we have 18 campuses. And there's techs at all of these campuses. You know, we're satellite venues. Yeah. So having a technical person there to support it is is pretty crucial. And at that time, I didn't know everyone. Yeah. And it it wasn't just that I didn't know everyone. No one knew each other either. <laughs> yeah. And, and well, those one of 18 campuses are all over the place too. I mean, some are yeah. in Southern California, but some are like in different countries. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like the, the campuses that are set up teardown, they have more info and experience to share with other set up teardown campuses than I do. Right. Right. Being at, at our Lake Forest campus and same with some other venues that are like, in a permanent location with unique room uh, layouts and all of that, like they're doing really creative things and troubleshooting creative things in different ways that our, our Lake Forest team isn't, you know, you know, one of Saddleback's uh, church values when we went into a multi-site was, was it one family, many locations. Uh The idea of that, if we have all these different multi-sites, they're not individual churches. They're all part of, the one church settlement, right, right. you know, and how do we do that within our team? Then if we're, if we're one church and we're one family, how do we do that within our team that we're one team, many locations. Yeah. And the first years were really focused on bridging those gaps and connecting people together and laying things in, in place that help promote that, you know, because if we're not fighting for the unity across multiple campuses, we're losing it. Yeah, right. And we're losing our connection to each other. And that comes in waves of how connected are our teams to each other, how connected am I to our teams. So we have, you know, we put things in place and every January we'll have an annual like summit where we gather all of our our platform teams, which would be like uh, worship leaders and music directors and our production teams. And we'll spend, you know, a few days at our, our ranch campus and just kind of breathe, be able to hang with each other. Yeah. Isn't in a high stress moment where we're, (laughs) you know, having to pull stuff together. Um, And I think those things slowly, I think we're able to look back and say, okay, this has strengthened our connectivity to each other and feeling like we're, we're in this together. You know, one of the things that's so counterintuitive for a tech person is we have a huge task to get done. There's a long list of to do's. Yeah. That's really not going to go away. And the thing that we need more than any uh, of those to-dos is to hang out with our people with no yeah. to-do list. It's like yeah. the opposite end. You know, right. to have a to have a, a shared experience that has nothing to do with the thing we do all the time together totally. is such a useful, beneficial team building thing. Yeah. But it feels like so, you know, like not productive use of time. Totally. (laughs) Totally. I think that also goes into how we structure our teams and what we're inviting people into. Yeah. It really is that when, when it comes to building teams, I think it starts with what are we inviting them into? Are we inviting them into just come and mix and do a job and then check out? Yeah. Because if we are, that's all, that's all they're going to do then, you know, but if we're inviting them into ministry and we're inviting them into growing the church and being a part of the church and developing members and building teams and pastoring and leading, then the expectation is different. You know, it's of course help keep the quality of production be at a certain bar, but also help make space to inviting members into that process. Right. You know, and it happens in all, in all cases, the more we give ministry away, we actually elevate our leadership. Hmm. You know, we actually elevate the way we're able to, to love on our team, the, to care for them, to also look at a bigger picture and kind of plan ahead right. and get ahead of some of the, the to-do lists 
instead of always being in in the thick of it, right? When you are surrounded around a team that's like, oh, so and so could come in and help me with this, okay. And then you're actually when you, when you have a team around you, you're able to breathe a little bit more, right? As you're able to delegate and assign things. But then we've we've also invited members into serving the church and getting their hands in the dirt of ministry, you know, right. I've been listening to a book by Liz Bohannon. She is an entrepreneur who's providing work for women in Uganda. And she was actually a leadership summit speaker Mm. in 2019, this past year. She has been talking about the idea of how important it is to ask for help Mm. and what that does to your relationship with the person you're asking help from. Yeah. And not help so that you can get something or that you're going to pay for the help or whatever. But just the, I think she's an example of Benjamin Franklin was having mm. like a tough relationship with somebody. And so he decided that he was going to just ask for help, which mm-hmm. for him was, hey, can I borrow this particular book from your library? So, you know, in 1770 or whatever, yeah. <laughs> like uh, books are like, you know, valuable thing that right. you don't give away easily. Anyway, so the guy let him borrow it and Benjamin Franklin returned it a week later with a thank you note. And then from then on, that person was so more willing to work with Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. As a result, you know, because he, you know, oh, he needs help from me. That's really cool. Uh, This is sort of a rabbit trail. But just that idea of asking for help, I think is so, I mean, you think about your own life. I think about my own life. If somebody had not asked me to help, yeah, I would not. We wouldn't be having this conversation, right? To be invited into being a part of something, right? I think it's what everybody wants. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be a part of something and to be invited totally. to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we don't know who that person is that we're inviting into and what God has for them. You know, there are some some students that started doing tech and they started off not great. Uh-huh. But yeah. now they're, <laughs> but now they're, you know, working at Disney and they're leads at certain shows and stuff, you know, right, or right. they're, or they're in ministry and they're in full-time ministry serving at another church or, uh-huh. um, you know, I'm that story of like, I, I wasn't great. I wasn't a great yeah, drummer. Right. And sure. they could have been like, Hey, we're not, we're not going to use you anymore. Or you could push me towards areas that you do see me excelling in, you know? Right, right. And I think when we're inviting members into it, that's kind of our goal. If someone's not great at lighting, it's not beneficial for them or us if we keep just seeing them as a placeholder. Right, right. Well, we don't have anyone else, so we're just going to keep using this person and hope they get better instead of being like, hey, you'd actually be a better stage manager or you'd be a great greeter or like, right. Right. You know, and that, that comes through the relationship of learning your people yeah, yeah, and learning about them. And it could be, you know, a one conversation that you learn that they're a school teacher and be like, Oh, well, have you ever considered serving in the student or in, you know, kids ministry? Right. And it's like, well, they have it covered or whatever. And turns out kids ministry actually is in desperate need of, right. Right. You know, yeah, I think the what you're saying is so interesting because if you don't know your people, then you can't be go beyond filling a slot with a warm body. Right. If you don't know what somebody's good at or bad at or how they're doing or how good mm. they're doing, how bad they're doing, yeah, you're just I've got these roles that need to be filled and so I'm jamming people's names in them and I'm sending right. out the planning center invite versus I know these people, they know me. And we're, Mm -hmm. it's more about, we're doing life together in this particular moment in time versus just a name on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Pastor Rick has, has said when it comes to leadership and pastoring, he says, you know, leaders should be doing these four things. They should be leading. They should be Uh the ones who are, you know, giving direction and instruction, but they should also be feeding the teams. They should be giving a word. They should be there should be some outpour of our personal time with God that we're able to contribute mm. and share to our teams and yeah. help help shift and focus their eyes on to why we're doing it over just what we have to do and right. accomplish to meet the need. So that's showing up at a hospital visit. That's saying, hey, you're shortchanged on a bus. Like, I'll give you a ride or right. whatever it may, whatever the needs may be. And you only get to know the needs when you know the people. 
Yeah. You know, and and then the fourth thing would be intercede. Are we praying for our teams? Are we praying uh. for our people? Are we praying for the the ones that are a little bit extra grace required kind of <laughs> um, people? Or I don't know anybody like that. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Not here. You know, but are we praying for our teams? Are we yeah. praying for the ones that we sense there's tension with? Are we praying for the ones that everything's going great? Right. Wherever it may be, you know, are we are we praying for our people? When we when we're able to really connect to these relationships and know our people, mm-hmm. people don't even care what they're doing at that point. They're just right. stoked to be a part of this healthy community. Right. You know, they're they're excited to be a part of of the church. Right. You know, and when it comes to our priorities at working at a church, I think that's one of the most important things of like, okay, we have God. Are we, are we focusing our attention and hearts on God? Where's our family in that? Are we loving mm-hmm. and caring for our family or is our duties and tasks kind of trumping that? Yeah. But then I would say it's our church family too. Like our church family should come before our work. Huh. And if we're yeah. working at a church, the work shouldn't replace me being connected to my church. Right. You know, do I, do I know the mission and value of my church? Do I, am I hearing the sermons and is my pastor leading me and, and, um, giving me, uh, insight into, into, into helping my spiritual growth, you know? Right. Right. So I think when, when those priorities start to shift to where it's all the work begins to trumpet and that's really hard. Yeah. As, especially as a tech, that's really hard yeah. to push down, you know? <laughs> so thinking of, you know, creative ways of how, how do I get the breath to sit in with my yeah. wife once a month, start low once a month, sure. you know, yeah. like what are those things that we could slowly start taking ground in? You know, I'm reading a book with a, with a couple guys. I, the title's weird. It's like the ruthless elimination of hurry. Okay. by uh, John Mark Comer. And one of the things he's talking about is just busyness and hurry and hustle are some of the greatest threats to our spiritual health. So true. And it's so true. And when yeah. like, you know, there's, there's been a handful of things in this book that I'm like, okay, am I, you know, we're in Christmas right now. It's crazy. There's so much to do. And, and is my posture in it? with expectation of God going to bring hundreds and thousands of people to know him this Christmas, or am I just trying to get through it? Am I just trying to survive it? Yeah. You know, on this end of Christmas, I want to say, Hey, I want to thrive through Christmas. And that, that takes me focusing on the people and to make space for me to, if there's a guest coming to connect with someone, say, Hey, can I help you find a seat? Or is there someone you're looking for? to kind of open my eyes up a little bit more around me yeah. to be hospitable. You know, we're welcoming guests into our house this Christmas. So yeah. trying to like as best I can to, to remind myself, okay, don't, don't just hurry back to the green room. Don't just run, you know, back to the booth and hide there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe take a little bit longer and say hi to a few people and who knows. Right. What you're saying is so interesting that so much of what matters requires intentionality, thoughtfulness, discipline, just like no different than saying having uh, an excellent service Mm. from a technical standpoint requires all those same things. Right. You know, requires discipline, requires intentionality, requires thoughtfulness. Uh, you know, they don't just happen automatic. You know, technical excellence doesn't right. happen automatically. And I think that this idea of pastoring your team, it doesn't happen. It won't happen without those things. And mm. the challenge, I think, is that it's not natural. It's not, um, that's maybe not the right word. It's not my go-to thing. Sure. My go-to thing is, you know, f- finishing a spreadsheet or plugging that gear in right. or making sure that we've watched the video or, you know, yeah. all the, there's so many, I'm going to say in air quotes, easy things that I gravitate to as a tech person, mm-hmm. but taking care of my people and maybe one more mm-hmm. step, taking care of myself are not easily done. Right. 
And I, I guess uh, I'd, I'd be curious from, I have maybe two questions. Can you repeat those four things that, uh, that Rick Warren says? It's like, you have to lead for leaders. You have to be, yeah. let me see if I can get them first. You yeah. have to be a leader. <laughs> I think that's all, <laughs> that's all I want to remember. There's something yeah. about meeting a need. Mm-hmm. That's the third one though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember what the second one is. So lead, you know, instruction and uh, coaching and that, and then feed, Feed, what are we feed, pouring okay. in? What are we pouring into our people, uh-huh. and spiritually, relationally, and then meet yeah. the need. Yeah. Um, are we showing up? Are we present? And then intercede. Uh, intercede. We, yeah. Okay. Are we, are we praying for our our teams? Right. Okay. I just want to like as you were talking about, it, I'm like it would be great for us to just you know like hammer those. So they're so good to just mm. to remind to lead, feed, feed, meet the need, intercede. There it is. Yeah. And, and so now of course, I'm they, they all kind of rhyme, right? Yeah, right. That's, of course, a pastor a came up way. with that list yeah. of four, yeah. It's um, not an acronym or they all start with the same letter or rhyme. It's not. Yeah, it's not real. No. It's not a real <laughs> message. Um, I guess I'd be curious for, from your perspective, like what's what what's the hardest part about um, or the most challenging or the, yeah, let's start there. <laughs> what's the most challenging part about pastoring, being a pastor of tech people for sure. you? Like what's the challenge? Yeah, I think having patience with it is is a big part of uh-huh. what often we're short positions, we're short staff, or we feel under-resourced or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Whether whatever desert we fill in, I feel like at times the patience is the is pretty difficult of like uh-huh. God, I want to see the outcome. I want to see the like the the end result of the things that we've started here and having that discipline of like just carrying the posture of thankfulness and looking back and being and a lot of these things typically come through when when we're praying for our teams when we're interceding you know yeah yeah there it shifts our our focus to to be grateful for all the things we do have yeah i think that's one challenge another one is is the tasks at the end of the day i think there's carrying the balance of those two things is is a continual tension. And I think right. I'm just settled into, I, I'm here for the tension, you know, yeah. <laughs> of the skill and the tasks and the expectations that we carry, as well as following Christ, loving people and leading them well in that. And knowing that I'm going to be swinging in this, in this graph from end to end, from time to time and having people around me to, to say, Hey, looks like, we might be too focused on this. Let's let's kind of re-rack and refocus some attention towards this. Uh-huh. I think those things are are pretty difficult in in ministry and in in our current culture. Yeah. Well, uh, I think uh, Dave Ferguson, who's the pastor <clears throat> at Community Christian Church in Naperville, he <clears throat> spoke at at one of the Philos there, twenty sixteen, maybe twenty seventeen. Mm. they have this thing where they talk about they would they would call it excellence and development mm. and i would are kind of at at odds with each other you know that we yeah. think of them as opposite ends of the spectrum and i would it, with development i would maybe call it also team building and yeah you know like hanging out and loving right. on people and people 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 yeah that he would say they're not on opposite ends of the spectrum they're two pedals on a bicycle mm. And so you can't push on them both at the same time because mm-hmm. you won't go anywhere. Right. But if you're not pushing on both of them alternatingly, you're not going anywhere either. You know, so you're it's this idea of we're riding a bike, we're not, you know, fighting with each other. We're right. we're trying we yeah. need to do both. And we totally. need to give both things uh, attention. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those tensions are like when you're in a service, when you're completing tasks because in the tension, you also find success as a team, you know, yeah. when a service goes great. And then that, that counter end is what space do we have outside of the tension? Yeah. Right. When are we, when are we sitting down eating, playing Mario Kart, whatever it may be, right, you know, right. like, yeah. and I think one thing I've, I've learned in that is like, okay, we need both for our teams to be healthy and to feel like it's not just a country club where we're always hanging out. Right and right. eating food, but we're actually <laughs> accomplishing tasks and doing great things. And 
hearing testimonies of new people joining the team because they were attending the service and something within the service impacted them. They came to know Christ and now they're on the team, you know, like finding those stories and bringing those to the surface makes people, they're like, Whoa, I was a part of the team when, when that happened, you know? Right. Right. And I think when we are in the non-tension areas of when we're hanging out and having a good time, I think it's, it's easy to just focus on that and to just let it be that it's just fun and food. But I think those are the prime opportunities where we could speak value into our teams and when we could really feed them spiritually, you know, to not, and I I feel like it's, I've learned this of like the times where I feel like uh, I really want to say something, but uh, it, I don't want to interrupt the mood. Sure. I'm just yeah. going to like, let it go. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming. See you guys. You know, right, right. Those are the, those are the times where, where leadership really needs to step in and where yeah. are we really going to be taking bold, um, bold steps to feed our team spiritually. And it's yeah. as a tech person, as an introvert, those are the hardest things to do yeah. to put yourself out there, to prepare a little in advance to say, Hey, I got a word to share with you. Yeah. Nothing feels more uncomfortable than that. You know? Yeah. Um, I used to, I'm with you totally. Like, uh, I would much rather just let the moment go by than yeah. step into it with something that I prepare that's corny or right. yeah, just, uh, somebody that I worked for once said those moments that can be created he would say, that's what we pay rent for. Mm-hmm. Like we went through all this effort and work to get us here. Yeah. Let's not waste the moment. It doesn't have to be rocket science or uh, the best word ever. Yeah. But don't miss, like if you're going to gather your team together for fun or whatever, mm-hmm. if there's not a moment where you're creating a moment, well, yeah, why yeah. bother? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and leadership dilutes as it goes down you know no one knows saddleback better than rick warren right you know he wrote the book on it and then there's the leadership team below him who are really caring and who are really connected to that that vision yeah and then the tear delount it 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 dilutes you know so in our leadership i think it's important to reinforce and reinvest those values into our teams right and it's it's same thing with music of like we've heard the song whatever a hundred times because we've rehearsed it we've studied Uh it we've prepared it but the guest has only heard it once the one service they hear it and that's if they attended that weekend they might have not attended that weekend and then it's even less yeah you know same with the values we're hearing the values if not like three times as much as a normal member would be right right so when are we actually taking time to to pour these values into our our team for them to get more connected to it Right. And, and we know it's, we know the values are settled within the culture of the team when you start hearing them come back to you. Yeah. You know, one of the things that one of our values on our worship team is, you know, welcome new team members. Uh And until we start seeing people do that and go out of their way to greet someone who's hanging out, then, then we know it's something we need to continue to work on, you know? Yeah. High skill in every area is another value of like, when are we seeing skill and, when do we start seeing people succeed in these in these roles? And that takes okay. What are we? What types of production trainings are we doing and things to help equip people? But anytime we're gathering our people, anytime we have their attention, it's it's important that we're that we're reinforcing values. Yeah, we're reinforcing yeah. our church values. We're reinforcing our team values. We're reinforcing the message that is being taught that weekend, whatever it may be. Yeah. Continually helping people get connected that. And we might feel like we sound like a broken record and it's because we hear it all the time. Right. right. You know, but for our teams, they're, they're not hearing this all the time. Yeah. So I think those are important things um, when it comes to leading teams. And Yeah. This has been really great. I think on some level, I'm super jealous of your job title and what you're able to focus your time on. But I also know that just because I work at a place that maybe doesn't have the resources uh, similar to you doesn't exempt me from the fact that I need to lead, feed, meet the need, and intercede. Like those are mm. such great things. And then just even the idea of your team needs a pastor, and mm. it's not going to be 
Daniel Scotty's not gonna pass through mm-hmm. people. You are. If you're yeah. listening and you're a leader, you it's your responsibility. Yeah. And I think it's ask for help. Who who are the people yeah. within your church that you could you could pull in, say, hey, you know, associate pastor or worship pastor, can you come speak into my team? You know, I feel yeah. like we're we're in a rough spot or we're whatever it may be. Have people invite people into that process. It doesn't always have to be you, you know. Yeah. I think it, it is important to take risks and to try things. Yeah. Um, to try and step into that right. and for it to feel uncomfortable. And you don't like it's probably more impactful for it coming from someone who is shy, introverted, and doesn't want to say anything remotely around trying to give any type of sermon. Right. You know, but I think the team will value it when they yeah. see the vulnerability coming from, Hey guys, I read this in my Bible today. I don't I don't know if it's going to mean anything to you, but thought it might encourage us as we step into the weekend, you know, yeah. whatever yeah. it may be. I think it, it comes a long way with the, whoever's putting you on that PCO list. If they're also, <laughs> they're not just always sending you a PCO request, but they're also giving you some words of encouragement and some right. spiritual uh, insight of what God's doing in our hearts. I think it goes a long way. Yeah, so true. Hey, thanks for making time and uh, the busy Christmas season to, uh, yeah, just share some time. It's been great. Yeah, thanks, Todd. One, two, three, four. Daniel has such a heart for the technical artists. I love it. Uh, I really love Rick Warren's perspective on what we're responsible for, uh, to lead, to feed, to understand the needs, to intercede for our teams. Uh, Regardless of the size of your church or your team, we're all responsible for our team members for these four things. So often we don't do any of them because the task is so all-consuming. I know I've been inspired to spend more time looking up from the task at hand and ask the question about how I can be the leader my people need. Not only that, but really that our organizations need. All right, don't forget, there's still time to sign up to join us for Philo 2020 stream. It's happening tomorrow. If you're listening to this in real time, May 19th and 20th. Holy cow, we're doing it. We're super excited about a bunch of new breakout faculty joining us this year, as well as some of our favorites. This is gonna be a Philo that we won't soon forget. And not just because we got to participate while wearing our pajamas. Uh, I believe that God has something unique and special for us. And I would love for you to experience it along with us. It's $99 for the two-day event with access to the Philo content through September on demand. That's about $500 worth of resources we're making available to you and your teams to help make you more effective, you and your church. Along with the normal amount of goodies at the Philo conference, we have a few exciting announcements that we'll be releasing while we're all together. So make sure you join us. If you like our podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you use to listen to us, iTunes, Spotify, all of them. Uh, Give us a review on iTunes, help us spread the word, and you can find us on social media, at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram, and at Philo Conference on Twitter. Don't forget, we love feedback and new ideas, so shoot us an email at philopodcast at philo.org. All right, see you at the Philo Conference. (laughs) 